Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Shore Sports Network football podcast. Bob Batters and Scott Stump talking Shore Conference football each and every week, breaking down the games, looking ahead to some of the big action in the upcoming week. And uh, it's it's hard to believe that we are halfway through the regular season for most teams in the Shore. And I know we say that every season it comes up on you quick, but yeah, it came up, came up pretty quick again this year. So uh, Stumpy, as I welcome you in after an eventful sports weekend for us, which we won't get on too much, although the cardiac cats of Northwestern are back. So how are we feeling about the the purple power over there? Oh, my goodness. Just when I thought like it was going to be like a 2-10 season, down 31-10 and rally to win in overtime in front of the seven fans that were still there to watch the end. But, yeah, we can get to that at the end. But, yeah, that was – Right after your unfortunate excruciating oh, ending of your Irish, um, the agony. Yeah, uh, and as far as short conference football, you know there wasn't any crazy stuff at the top, but there were some really good games, like really competitive back and forth games, and some games where we learned a lot more. And you're right; it's funny. I was thinking like this week I'm going to be writing my mid season report for SureSportsNetwork.com. You know player of the year candidates, defensive player of the year candidates, the game of the year, like kind of recapping a lot of stuff that's come, that's gone by so far. Cause yeah, we're at the halfway point. Now it's like, you know, push for the playoffs, push for division titles, all of that coming up in the next month. It should be fun. There's a lot of, you know, intriguing storylines about to come up and a lot of matchups with divisions where you can say, okay, this is probably for the division title. So it'll be, be fun to break those down. We got a few of those, We'll talk about right now. You mentioned not a ton of crazy stuff at the top, but we will start in the American division. The game that you were at on Friday night, uh, that was Red Bank Catholic going into Borden Stadium to take on Rumson Fairhaven. And it was the Casey's ranked number two in the Shore Sports Network. Shore 16, a 34-6 victory over the Bulldogs. A pretty emphatic victory. It was close for a little bit, but the Casey's just pulled away in the second half. You know, Emmanuel Ross, the Stanford bound receiver doing his thing on both sides of the ball. The running game got going, which was impressive against the stout rumps and defense. And then the RBC defense, really what stood out to me, holding down that, that dangerous passing attack uh, led by uh, outstanding junior Owen O'Toole. So a really good win for the Casey's, a rivalry win, uh, and they go on the road and get it done. Yeah, and it was funny. That game was 14-6 to six with seven minutes left in the game. And then RBC just rattled off three touchdowns in a minute and five seconds. Uh, you know, they got the running game going. Luke Wasif runs one in for a score. Then they force a fumble on the next possession, get it at the 11. Wasif runs in another one. And then their Pittsburgh-bound linebacker, Davin Bruton, picks one off, takes it to the house. And just like that, boom, it's 34-6 to six in like an instant. And that's the thing with RBC. They're that good where you could feel like you're right in the game with them and then it gets away from you. But you're right. I was really impressed uh, with their secondary uh, for RBC. Emmanuel Ross... As I wrote in my story, we all know superstar receiver had two TD catches in the game, but he is a shutdown corner. He lines up against the other team's best guy almost every single game. He took on Nick Rigby in this game. Rigby led the shore conference in catches last year, one of the best receivers in the shore. He had five catches for, I think, 41 yards. He did beat Ross on a five-yard touchdown. It was a quick route. O'Toole threw a perfect pass in the only spot where he could have caught it. Um, So he did a nice job there. But, yeah, Ross, to me, I mean, it's hard to find too many guys in the shore that are that good on both sides of the ball. 
uh, he he's an outstanding corner and he embraces that challenge. You know, it's not like a secondary thing to him, like to, to the being a wide receiver. He's trying to be a lockdown guy on that side of the ball. And, you know, Coach Mike Lang from RBC is saying he helps us so much because he splits the field in half. We basically like we don't have to worry about that side of the field. Um, and then not only it wasn't just him, though, Steven Myers, their senior defensive back, had two interceptions in that game, one of which was at the one yard line when Rumson could have potentially tied the game. Um, so, yeah, RBC looked really good, although they did have a ton of penalties. Like I think it was 12 penalties for 85 Oof. yards. So Coach Lang was basically saying they, we got to play Seton Hall prep this week. And yes, their record's a little deceiving because they're one and three, but they've played some of the best teams in New Jersey and outside New Jersey. And he's like, if we do that next week, like we're going to be in a lot of trouble. And we know last year, Seton Hall Prep went into Count Basie and beat them 17 nothing. So I think that that this was a, you know, it was a good way to finish on a high note for RBC, uh, which has, you know, dominated that series in recent years. I think there's 16 out of the last 17 they've won against Rumson. Um, but the other game that stood out to me in the American division while I was watching that, we you were so dead on a couple of weeks ago when you wrote about and you were talking about how Jeremiah Pruitt could end up becoming a major player for Tom's River North as far as like importance wise. And he really stepped up in that South, Middletown South game. A huge game for Tom's River North for a bunch of reasons. You know, one, they're coming off a loss to Donovan Catholic prior week. So you want to rebound. That would be the same for any team. Two, really, what it should be one is that you're doing this without Micah Ford. You know, the reigning New Jersey State Player of the Year, you know, one of the best players in all of New Jersey on both sides of the ball, a dynamic quarterback. You don't replace a player like that. So how would they respond? And that was a 7-7 game for a little bit. Uh, North went up uh, 7-0, Middletown South tied it. But really, it was a, a really a dominant effort. Uh you know, by Tom's North, 21-7, the final score is not going to make you think that, but their defense was incredible. They held Middletown South to 67 yards of offense. That's, I mean, that is stepping up when you're without your star and your leader. Pruitt, three total touchdowns. He had a touchdown catch from junior quarterback T.J. Valerio. Ran for two scores, uh, both in the second half, I believe, in the fourth quarter. So Tom's North found a way, and that's what we talked about going to this game. You got to find a way because – the schedule is not as difficult the next three weeks. They don't play, I think, of, of the ranked teams now, they have Wall in there, so they play Southern Wall and Tom's River South before the big game against Red Bank Catholic on October 20th. So we talked about that. If you can get through this game without Ford, you have the opportunity to, to rest him without facing some fellow juggernauts in the shore. And from the, the sounds of things, that is, he will be back. It's just a matter of when. To me, that sounds like if he is ready to go soon, you probably won't see him till maybe like a quarter against Tom's River South, knock some rust off and get ready for the RBC game. But, you know, Pruitt, you know, doing the heavy lifting as far as the offense goes. And then that defense was just awesome. You know, Blaze Bowling had another good game. Christian Oliveri, another one of their outstanding linebackers, 10 tackles, an interception, a couple tackles for a loss, recovered a fumble. So, they really show they're not just a one-man team. That's Middletown South is a tough team. I know they have injuries, but not an easy win. Uh, so a very good victory for the Mariners. Yeah, I mean, how often does that team get held under 100 total yards? Mm-hmm. It was kind of almost like from the Rumson game, like Owen O'Toole had 83 yards passing. Like how often is he getting held yeah. under 100 yards passing? So, I mean, you're doing a really amazing job to put up a number like that. And when they absolutely needed it the most, you know what I mean? Like 
Our mm-hmm. offense is not going to be what it was without Michael Ford in the lineup. So to be able to buckle down and win games, which they did show against Millville uh, in their season opener, that the defense can bottle up a good team and keep things close enough until the offense can find a way. But yeah, I thought that was huge for North just given, yeah, that the next couple games, they're going to be a heavy favorite in those games, you know, the wall Southern, those games. So they, this was a a huge one um, to get. I will say one of the most fun games that got moved up actually, and it lived up to all we said that it was going to be an all out shootout was the game for sole possession of first place in the Patriot division. Keyport 35, Manchester 23, Nas Treadwell and Makai Henderson against Josh Love, and everybody showed up and was making plays. Yeah, uh, Keyport 35, Manchester 33. I know that's what you meant, oh. not, the, not the 23. But, uh, yeah, that, that was a – it came down, unfortunately, to, like, it, can you make your extra points? And yeah. that was really the difference. But the offenses showed out for both teams. I mean – Nas Treadwell, a buck 85 and three TDs rushing. Makai Henderson, a buck 84 and two TDs. And then, you know, they their head coach, Jason Glesman, was big to shout out. Hey, our freshman kicker, Marshall Colangelo, five for five on extra points. Those are pressure pack kicks when you know that can be the difference. Uh, and he went five for five. So a huge one, uh, uh, you know, for him. And then Josh Love for Manchester, 166 yards rushing, three touchdowns, caught a 65-yard touchdown. And Manchester looked, you know, dead to rights late in that game. And they found a way, scored on that 65-yard touchdown, actually recovered the ensuing onside kick, but the ball traveled about a yard or two short. So Keyboard ended up taking over on downs to run out the clock. But you're right, a thrilling game that lived up to the hype. Unfortunately, one team had to lose, and that was Manchester. But, you know, a big divisional game. You'd love to see those teams play more than once because you could see, like we thought, they're very even on paper. Like That could go either way. Fortunately, this will be the only time they play, but a huge run for Keyport. Now they're on top of the division. Yeah. And I looked it up. I think Keyport won a share of a division title last year. Yeah. Last time they won back to back division titles was the days of Kenny Katus and JJ Beetle. Like, I think it was like 0203. So it's been a long time since the Red Raiders won two That's... division titles in a row. Yeah. And now they, they're in the driver's seat. You know, they're the heavy favorite to finish this out. Um, yeah. You know, nothing's guaranteed, but yeah, I think it almost came down. Obviously, yes, you know, Marshall Colangelo's kicks were crucial, but mm-hmm. it was almost like Keyport had the one extra guy, right? Yes. They had Nas Treadwell, but they also had Henderson, whereas mm-hmm. Love is like the complete centerpiece of that offense where he does a lot. I mean, Aiden Lund, their quarterback, is dangerous and is mm-hmm. a good player, but clearly Love, you know, with all, I, I loved seeing that. uh the highlight of him when he scores and he goes, that's what I do. Yeah. That's that what I good. do. He's you not know, wrong. That is yeah. what he does. Yeah. This is what I do. I mean, he finds the end zone. Keyport is a very intriguing team. If you want to play the look ahead on the schedule game, you know, they got a chance to head into the playoffs with a really, you know, potentially one loss uh, and put themselves, you know, in contention for a pretty good seed. Now you never know how those brackets are going to shake out, shape up because it's not like in the past where the Central Jersey and South Jersey brackets were known. Now it's one big South section that gets split. So you don't know who you're going to match up with. Right. You know, there's some really, really good group one teams in South Jersey. Woodbury. Over the past several years. Yeah, there's been there's been a bunch and they kind of shift around who's the juggernaut team. So, but that being said, when you have Nas Treadwell, Makai Henderson, Andre Matthews, another player, 
Mike Ford's a player we haven't heard a ton about, but that's basically because they've been running the ball so much. But he's a dangerous receiver, you know, a very good defensive back who led the shore in interceptions last season. And that's a team in the playoffs where, like, you don't want to play them because there's a bunch of guys that can burn you. And, you know, I, I think they're going to be a fun team to watch the rest of the way. And I think the interesting thing is, right, usually because the way the divisions traditionally have been, Keyport plays Shore Regional during the regular season, right, mm-hmm. normally. But now they're in separate divisions. And Shore, by the yeah. way, is in the mix for a division title of their own. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, like, it was always, you know, because sometimes it's like when teams have already played once and then they play again in the playoffs, it's not like anything new or, you know, mm-hmm. you don't know what's going to happen. You know kind of what's the way it's going to go. But, like, that'll be fun if it does shake out where old rivals Keyport and Shore end up battling it out in Central Jersey Group 1 or however it shakes out, but that they, you know, don't have that regular season game and they just have a one, you know, winner goes home, you know, winner goes on, loser goes home kind of game. So that'll be, that'll be something to keep an eye on. And I will say the one score that did pop out to me as far as like, cause we made such a big deal and a lot of coaches did going into the regular season of the division with, you know, group two teams and group four mm-hmm. teams. And is that fair and all that? And then Raritan goes out beats Manalapan 20 to 16. I think that definitely opened some eyes. Absolutely. Uh, for what you mentioned, you know, rather than group two school going up against Manalapan, a group four school uh, and a program that's been a group five school for many years. Right. So one of the bigger schools in the shore um, and not just that Manalapan's a perennial contender as is Rattern, but the challenge for Rattern, I think is obvious. And they answered the call 20 to 16, a huge defensive performance for them. You know, they have offensively Jaden Kraft over 100 yards of offense uh, and a touchdown on defense. He had 11 tackles and a pick. You know, Logan Acevedo and Kyle Wall in 10 tackles each. Acevedo did not – he played every single snap. Their head coach, Anthony Petruzzi, said they had a player injured. And so Acevedo just never came off the field. So those guys really answered the call, um, especially defensively. You know, Manalpin's a team that has shown the ability to put up points. Um, and they can do it in a variety of different ways. and. I think we all expected the Braves to come out, you know, angry uh, after losing 35 nothing, you know, the week before. And Raritan just, you know, it's a great performance for them. Even as the record at two and two really changes the complexion of their season. It's it's a big haul of power points. You know, obviously they're going to want Manalba and keep winning, but just right. That was the first thing I thought. Like, did they just lock down a playoff berth like <laughs> yeah, with one have. game, right? Because you get so many points from beating a, a group four as a group two like that. And you're right. And if Manalapan keeps winning games and I think another thing was they were really disappointed with their effort the week earlier against Long Branch when mm-hmm. they were down, like, I think it was 27 nothing or 28 yeah. nothing at halftime. It felt like – Not away we, from them quick. Yeah, like we didn't show up with the energy and emotion that we normally play with it. That wasn't us. So, you know, I think they were angry too. They were coming back of, like, we're we're trying to show that, that, that last week that was not what we're about. And their defense, yeah, really stepped up. And, you know, you have to, again – People want to know, are they going to hold their own in that division? You know, are they, especially they lose foul zone and they always find a way. That's the thing. You never have to worry about Raritan. They're going to come out and battle you. They have a great coaching staff. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they're, they always have a, a good plan, a game plans with the guys coming up to replace, you know, the Kieran foul zones of the world. And that I think is the most reassuring thing from that win that you had Jaden Kraft going over a hundred yards of offense. You also had Matt Jones, who's essentially foul zones, replacement rushing for 97 yards in a TD and Kraft rushing for 93 yards. You know, Jones is their power back, the fullback mm-hmm. who comes storming right up the middle. 
Kraft is more, you know, counters, getting out on the perimeter, using his speed. But to get the running game cranked up like that against, you know, a pretty physical team, that's, oh, a, huge, physical. that's a huge confidence booster yeah. for Raritan going forward. Just like you said, it, what the win like that tells me uh, is that the strength of Raritan's program is in a really good spot because they graduated, uh, you know, a lot of impact seniors here in Falzone at the top of that list. And Anthony Petruzzi said that early in the season, like you're not going to replace a guy like that. It's not even fair to like ask like multiple guys to replace a guy that like you just move forward and try to execute the best you can. And, you know, like I have a lot of respect for their program, the way they go about things. And like you said, like they just find a way. Raritan is just, has always been in the mix. Like they've had a couple years here and there uh, where they just kind of been out of it early, but by and large, they're, they're, they're in the hunt. They pull off a win like this. seems like every year, and we're talking about Raritan. Yeah, I think people forget, like, this is a team that's been in a sectional final the last two years. Yes. You know, like, this is a program that is always in the middle of things. And, again, I think people thought, oh, maybe they'll take a step back. But they showed, like, they should be a factor. Again, their schedule is hard. The remaining, like, they still have to play Point Borough in that division. And their rivalry game against Homedale is now looking like no yeah. joke because Homedale's undefeated for the first time since, like, 2007 this deep into the season um so they're gonna have a lot of challenges ahead they do have an ocean team coming up that struggled a little bit um so that's an opportunity there but you know yeah they're they're right in the thick of things even when their thought was i don't know about this division are we going to be able to sink or swim in it they've really held their own and i thought that was a really impressive win going out and beating a number 11 team um and speaking of impressive feats connor deets continues to um write his memoirs as the uh, Brick Memorial record book. And you were at that one. As I said, he's got the red pen out. Just like, nope, like, nope, that's wrong. Like, oh, just another edit to the record book. Yeah, I was there at the Fabio Field on Friday night. Brick Memorial moves to 5-0 and for the first time since 2012. 40-6 win over Friel Township and Connor Dietz. 40-26. Well, 40-26, yes, excuse me. 276 yards rushing, three touchdowns. Set the Brick Morrow career rushing record, passing Vinny Falkowitz, set the record back in 2006. He also had six tackles and a pretty crucial interception on defense. He had a 36-yard touchdown run, which is the run he broke the record on. And then late in the game, after a big fourth down stop by Brick Morrow, rips off a 78-yard touchdown. That pretty much put the game away. So he is, you know, he has written the entire record book over, and he's about 600 yards and change away from passing Brian Boland to become the school's all-time leading passer. So there's a good chance we get this end of the season. He has every record. Like, other than, like, the receiving records, like, he has them all on offense. It's wild how these these dual-threat quarterbacks now are getting school records for the rushing and the passing. Yes, it's amazing. It it also is a – it shows how much offenses have changed in the last – even the last five to seven years that there's – it used to be when you had one player, you remember one guy, a thousand, a thousand. It was an incredible feat. Yep. And now it happens so often. We're like, oh, like 2000, 2000. Yeah. It's like, like 1500, uh, 1500 is yes. the new standard. I mean, you look at like an Ashante Worthy, right? Like he's yeah. passing Joe the Jet Henderson running the ball and then mm-hmm. also being like the all time leading passer. But you're seeing more of that. Um, you know, Mike Husney, when he was at Tom's River North was putting up crazy mm-hmm. numbers and now, and now Ford, Michael Ford, but yeah, it's crazy how 
you know, usually the all-time leading rusher and all-time leading passer is two different players at a lot of schools, but more and mm-hmm. more, it might be the same. It might be one guy. It is kind of crazy how that's going. Uh, Rick, what has stood out to me for Brick Morrill this season has, yeah, D, it's obviously, but that, that was, that's not anything different from last season. They have, their defense has been better um, and they've responded to adversity within games a lot better. Like they have, they're winning games this season. They didn't win last year where they maybe fell apart in the second half or, you know, a key penalty kind of killed a drive or, or negated a big play or a bad turnover. And this season's the opposite. They're getting those turnovers on defense. They're converting the fourth downs. That's a big reason why they're five and oh, you know, they've had, they had to dig deep in the Middletown Northway and they have to hold off a, a Matawan team that, you know, we'll get to pick up their first win, but we've always known was dangerous despite their record. And then Freel Township presents a number of challenges as well, and they've navigated that. So Rick Morrill, 5-0, and uh, again, first time in over a decade and, and just playing really well right now. So if they keep that up, you know, they're going to be right there in the end and a team we're talking about in the playoffs. Yeah, and before we get to the next game, I will. One guy that keeps popping out to me is Nazir Matthews. Like, yeah. he's had some big interceptions in these crucial spots, like in these games. He had a pick six in that game, right? And I believe yes. was he the one in the Middletown North game that also – yeah, the game clinching interception at the end. Yeah. So he's, their secondary in the two games I've seen them in person, their secondary has played really well. Him, uh, Deeds, who kind of plays a little linebacker, strong safety, but he's you know solid back there, especially as a tackle. Uh, Jimmy Pop, one of your favorite names. Uh, uh, Johnny Pukish, like some of those guys in the secondary have really played well. You know, and talking to their head coach Walt Curry after the game. You know, Freel Township threw for about 275 yards. Nick Carter went through for three touchdowns, hit a couple big plays. But Walt was saying, like, we kind of knew that they're, they're going to hit some plays through the passing game. That's what they do. They run that spread slash air raid offense. It was about making the throws contested, see if you can get some hands up, create some turnovers. They did that. They had, an, you know, two interceptions, uh, just clean interceptions. One that was turned for a touchdown. The other one was Big Ben Zubu, six foot seven on the defensive line just reached up and swatted one and Trey Talmadge was able to pick it off. So they had Cardone running, you know, moving to his left, moving to his right a little bit. And, you know, it was enough to, uh, you know, to, to get him off his game and force some turnover. So they, they, they have, it's not just Deets, which is big. You know, as you mentioned, like you're not going to win with just one player. Um, you know, even going back to the Kyoko Keyport, Treadwell has been amazing, but you go down the line and there's that second guy, that third guy, that fourth guy, and then some defensive players, Rick Morrill has that, which is very encouraging for them. And speaking of teams off to tremendous starts, uh, Holmdel going into Manisquan and shutting them out 23 nothing. which, as we noted, I, I had to look it up. I started going Great through stat. everything. Yes, the first public school to shut out Manisquan at home since 2007. So that does not happen. I mean, RBC did it a couple times, mm-hmm. but that's a different animal to some degree. But a fellow public school coming in there and shutting them out the last time was the Great Point Borough teams of you know that era. It was a nine nothing win. But um, yeah, what an absolute amazing start for Homedale. I mean, and that if I'm not mistaken, that 2007 season was also the last time Homedale yeah. was excellent. And I think they started like nine and zero or something or ten and zero. They did. They, they, they lost finished ten and one. Yeah, they they lost to Rumson in the playoffs. That was their only loss. Fourteen seven too. Yeah. Like a close game. Yeah, that that Holmdale team was great. And this Holmdale team, you just can't say enough about the job that Jeff Rannis and his coaching staff have done with the X's and O's, but more with the culture and how this team plays, the way they play, 
how they believe, you know, last year was a tough season for them. We we've chronicled that, uh, you know, a bunch already this season and they have responded in a huge way. They're four and oh, they picked up some big wins. They're playing awesome defense in their second straight shutout. They're physical. And it's not one guy. Like I look at their box scores after most of these games and you expect to see one, you know, one guy, 12 tackles, you know, two sacks, three tackles for a loss. And it's not that it's just a bunch of, it's true team defense. Um, and, and certainly a couple of big plays mixed in Gary Collier had that against Manusquan 31 yard interception return for a touchdown. Anthony said Ducati had a touchdown run, touchdown catch their sophomore quarterback. Jack Cannon continues to play very well. You just got to like everything you're seeing from home at this point, you know, they are right now, they're the favorites in that division. Yeah, they're they still just... sure and Shore's playing a lot better. So that'll be a really fun game. But you know, Madison was that top home they'll beat them. And you know, one year removed from that really tough season, you know, they're they're on top in the division. Yeah, from a one-win season to in the driver's seat for a division title. I mean, that's a really, really impressive uh turnaround. And speaking of an impressive turnaround from a tough start, Madawan, and we knew it. I, we I was like, I knew I should have picked this game. I knew I should have gone with the Huskies. It just seemed like the right and nothing against Brick. It, again, Madawan 0 and 4 coming in, Brick 4 0 coming in, but it was like Man, Madawan, it feels like they're not going to – they're going to win the game eventually. And it was this week, 18-13 over Brick, which was ranked number 12 in last week's poll. The Wellman Crooms, their outstanding sophomore FBS recruit at, at wide receiver. He plays defense too. He had a 70-yard pick six in the fourth quarter. That held up as the game-winning touchdown. Junior quarterback Amir Martinez, rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown. Colin Palumba, 120 yards on the ground. What stood out to me was Madawan ran for 200 and 24 yards against a brick defense that hadn't been giving up anything. So a huge win for the Huskies just to get that first one. And now you see what they can do the rest of the way, if they can build on this. Yeah. And I, I mean, as far as their playoff hopes too, mm -hmm. I mean, you got a ton of points for that. You just beat a four and O team. That's a big school. So even though you're only one and four, you just kept your postseason hopes alive mm -hmm. with that win. So that that's huge. And again, if this Madeline team continues to round into form and gets in there as like a seven, eight seed. I don't, that top seeded, those higher seeded teams are not going to want to deal with them in the first round. So right. I think that was, you know, they had to have it. Their, their backs were against the wall as far as like, if we want to make anything out of this season, we have to win this game. And they found a way. And you're right, doing it with a dominant rushing game against a defense that had stifled every team they played this year. And, you know, on the other hand, I thought too, like, Brick not being able to score a whole lot offensively finally kind of caught up with them a little bit in this game. That's true. And at the end of the day, Brick still only had 18 points, which, you know, against a team of Madawan's caliber that can score a bunch of points is, is solid, but you're right. That's been, that's been Brick's issue so far. It, the, the can, the ability to consistently score points and look, they were four and out, so they were doing enough, right. But you knew eventually at some point in every team's that way, you might have to win a game where you're giving up over 20 points. Uh, and you know, that was, you know, the most points they had given up so far this year and, and they fell. So we'll see if brick and rebound for Madawan. That's a big one. They're up off, off the mat and we'll see what they can do going forward. You are certainly right where if they make the playoffs, you never know what the matchups are going to be, but they get one of those, you know, a matchup in that first round. If they're a seven, eight seed and you go, Hmm, this number one seed really not ironclad. It wouldn't surprise me in the least to see them pick them off. And yeah, at, at the end of the day, You'll take that. If that happens, they're not going to care what they started the season at. Right. I mean, how many teams have we seen 
make a state final as a seven seed or an eight seed or whatever and Ocean. find a way. Free old borough the one year. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, it can totally happen. So, the, you know, as far as Matawan and Matawan to me over the years too, especially has always been a big momentum team. Mm-hmm. When they start like putting together a win or two in a row and guys start getting really fired up and like playing to their full potential, like they can turn into a nightmare for opponents mm-hmm. very quickly. So, you know, hopefully for them, that's a, that's a big confidence booster and they can go forward and become the team that I think they thought they would be when the season started. Yes. Yeah, time has not run out for them. That was a big win. Another team that picked up their first victory of the season, St. John Vianney, 34-0 over Ocean. The Lancers taking out some of their frustrations from the prior weeks uh, with a big one over the Spartans. Luca Minardo has really been playing well all season, buck 22 on the ground, three touchdowns. A really big one for Vianney where Mark Augello, uh, senior quarterback, transfer from Friel Township, you know, sat out the required number of games, comes back, really gives them a veteran presence at quarterback for a team that is very young. He threw for a touchdown, ran for a touchdown. I think that's really going to help them forward and uh, going forward, excuse me. And going back to the preseason, I talked to their coaches, uh, Jeff Papson, assistant coach Shannon Holy, way back in July at the short conference uh, seven on seven tournament. And they acknowledge we're very young. It's going to be, you know, we don't have it. Our schedule, there's some teams in our division that are better than people think. I think those guys were the first ones to even say that. Uh, you know, speaking of that constitution division, but they felt confident that as the season went on, they'd play better. So th- this is what they hope is the start of that. You know, Vianney now one and four. They have a, a veteran at quarterback now to lead the way, and we'll see if uh, you know they can build off that. No, I agree. Having Augello come in there and be the quarterback now, if anything, maybe they're wondering, man, what what could have been if we had him? Because they did lose. They lost an overtime game. Yeah, to Homedale. You know, they were right in another game. Yeah, like they were in the game with Manasquan. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think they're they're kind of almost a little bit of a different team going forward. I mean, the only team that blew them out was Hamilton in that week zero game. Right. They lost, they lost 16-7 to Marlboro, which is undefeated and ranked number eight in the shore. And you mentioned the overtime loss to Holmdale, the close loss to, uh, to Manasquan. So, you're right. For Vianney. I do. I'm interested to see if there is that confidence. Like, all right, now we have some guys in place. We're a little more seasoned. We played five games. You know, let's start to go on a run. Right. And I think un- un- conversely, uh, Ocean now has been shut out two straight games. Yeah. So they're trying to find it on offense after playing a really good short regional team and mm-hmm. now a Vianney team that's now at full power. And speaking about a team that uh, has been at full power <laughs> since the minute the season started, Point Borough, I mean, Long Branch is pretty good. And Point hey, Borough came out and just blasted them 42 to 14. Yeah. Point Borough scored 170 points in four games. And they are just, they're a machine right now with that offense. Jake Croce, who I know has been a little bit banged up early in the season, but feeling good now, 100%. Ran for 125 yards and two touchdowns. Matt Oliphant, two more touchdown runs. Spreading the ball around, Jay Clayton, Dylan Reitmeyer, touchdown runs. And just like that, 42-14 over Long Branch, and the Panthers keep rolling. A huge one. We'll dive into that a little deeper at the end. But, you know, they welcome Rumson into Alsainer yes. Field this Friday night. A I was at Borden Stadium, you know, for the Rumson yeah. game. And a guy that both of you and I know, he's a veteran of the Rumson staff. Actually, one of their undersung guys. He's been their strength and conditioning coach for 10 years. Mr. Orock. Rob Orock, who... <laughs> Rob Orock was Matt Oliphant before 
Matt Oliphant. You know, him and him and his brother Tommy were were two great players for Point Burrow. So he knows all about that. And uh, that's a game. Even going back into the offseason, that's a game I know both staffs were looking forward to. Uh, it's a you know they don't play each other very often. Unless if they meet in the playoffs, that would really be the only time um, in most seasons. Point and they've been in separate. They've been in separate playoff brackets yes. the last couple of years, where like Burrow's in South Jersey or Burrow's in Central Jersey somehow last mm-hmm. year, and Rumson was in South Jersey. It doesn't make any make sense. it make sense. Yeah, but I know. I think when you look at this, though, you know, we play to an overall group two champion now. Like these are two mm-hmm. teams that both have their eye on that. Yes. And Point Burrow. So this will be really interesting clash. And who knows? Maybe it's the first of two meetings this season. We'll see. Could very well be. Go down the line in the shore 16 to number seven, Jackson Memorial. Holding on or really fighting through Howell for a 20 to 14 victory. Jonah Glenn, another big game over 100 yards, two rushing touchdowns. How about senior Albert D'Alessandro? 13 tackles, a game-clinching interception. Where I don't know if you saw the video. It is awesome. All of a sudden, it's like there's like a pass coming to Howell receiver, and out of nowhere comes D'Alessandro. And a bunch of people in the comments, of course, yelling it's pass interference. I'm telling you, I slowed that thing down. It's like the most well-timed, full-on sprint interception to clinch the uh, win. And he also had a huge block that sprung Jaden Hernandez for a uh, touchdown on a wide receiver screen. So. Uh, Jackson, you know, just finding a way, moving to 4-0. Sean Hubbard, four sacks on defense, which is huge because we talked about that after their first game. You know, they lost one of their best defensive players in Samir Lee to a knee injury for the season, and Hubbard has really stepped up since then. You know, he's gotten had multiple sacks, I want to say, for three straight games, uh, and that defense playing really well. On the flip side, man, another tough loss for Howell. Like, I, I – we say this sometimes, it's kind of fun to say, but if you're how it's not fun, but is there a better 0-4 team around? Seriously, yeah. I mean, what are they, like 15 points or something away from yeah. being like undefeated it's a story combined, for sure? They've lost to Wall, Middletown, North Marlboro, and Jackson by a combined 19 points. All of those teams are currently ranked in, in our Shore 16. Yeah. So for how it's like, man, you've been right there. And this is an impressive one for Howell too, because the game, the prior game against Marlboro, they're starting running back. Brandon Wright broke his leg, so it was out. And he was their offensive workhorse, really. So they found a way to stay in the game. You got to credit their coaching staff and the players for that. But just it's tough under man. They fought to the end, but Jackson just a little bit, a little bit too much. And uh, the Jags go to four and zero with the twenty fourteen win, setting up that game. You're looking down the road in a couple of weeks. Jackson Marlboro, um, who you know, we'll skip to Marlboro right now. The Mustangs. Uh, they moved to four and all also first time in you know, at least three decades. You know, we were trying to go back and yeah, find the only other, there. the only other season where this could have happened is 1994. Yeah. They went 10 and one. They had a regular season loss to Tom's river North. I haven't been able to figure out like what their record was when yeah. they lost that game. But yeah, if they started four and oh, it was that that's the only season. And yeah. to put that into perspective, that was my freshman year of college, <laughs> like by the fall of my freshman year of college. So that's how long ago that was. It's been a while for the Mustangs. And they were down seven nothing to Lacey at the half. And when we had their head coach, Jason Degado, with us on the uh, Varsity and Coaches Corner, he said like he was a guy, he grew up, played at Central, knows all about Lacey football how tough they are. And Lacey has played very tough this season. They were up seven, nothing at the half, but Marlboro made whatever adjustments they needed to make came out in the second half, scored all three touchdowns, Matt Cassidy, 150 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. 
Again, continuing that trend we saw last week, starting to get that running game untracked. Uh, and they do that, they're going to be even be more dangerous defense again with a lockdown effort. And, yeah, it's and crazy Marvel. how similar they are to Jackson, right? They both nice. are like hard-nosed defensive teams that – they, they one has Matt Cassidy running the ball, who's a standout. The other side has Jonah Glenn. Like they're very, they're, they're almost kind of mirror images of each other to some degree. Mm -hmm. um, so that game will be really interesting because it's going to be like strength on strength. Yes, and then we'll round out the Freedom Division there. Another upset in terms of the rankings: Southern snapping a two-game losing streak with a twenty-eight to twelve victory over Middletown North. The way Southern's games have been all season has been a multiple players getting it done, and that was the case again versus the Lions. D. Helm, 79 yards rushing, a touchdown. Justin Silver turned the punt for a touchdown. Just solid play all around defensively. And Chuck Donahue Sr.'s 275th career win. Fun stat, I always love that. Uh, they make sure they point out in their, their preseason stuff, which is awesome. Chuck Donahue Jr. was also – Obviously, his, uh, Chuck Sr.'s son, the athletic director over there, and assistant coach does a great job with all the stats early in the season. Uh, and Chuck Sr., the chief, only a coach in state history to lead four teams, separate teams, to a sectional championship game. So, uh, you know, one of the one of the classiest guys you'll meet in the shore, runs a great program. 275 career wins is a heck of a lot. So congratulations to him. And for Southern, you know, they were two and zero, dropped two straight, and now they're back, you know, on top as they try to push, you know, forward towards the playoffs. Yeah, they were a hard. They've kind of been a little bit of a hard team to figure out, like week to week. It it seemed like they had some momentum there with the two wins, then they slide back a little bit, and then, yeah, to come out and really handle Middletown North, um, who had also been a factor in that division. That's a great win you know, playoff wise. And that's kind of the thing with Chuck Donahue's teams. They Like we talked about Raritan before, they're similar. Like they always find a way, they always get it done. You always look up at the end of the season and they're a postseason team. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a program that, you know, had had minor pockets of success here or there in its history before Chuck got there. But he's really taken them to the point where every year they're a, they're a tough out in their division. They're a playoff level team. And then yes, when he really had the horses, the days of, Glenn Carson and Mike Isicki and all those guys, like, you know, they took it to a state final yes. still in search of their first state championship. If I'm not correct. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's been the thing with Southern is they've never look every team pretty much has a year where it just doesn't work out. You're two and eight, three and seven, something like that. But by and large, they're competitive every season. You know, their biggest thing has been like getting out of that, like five and five, six and four yeah. four and six like you know, to push beyond that but you're right they when they've had the horses you know they've delivered and those two state final i mean the one year they lost that juggernaut mainland team and then when they had gesicki his junior year when dan higgins had an awesome year uh playing quarterback and abe gonzalez had like an all-time playoff run at tailback and they ran into a um a williamstown team that again was like a top 10 wasn't that gesicki against eli apple Yes. So, th well, that was the semifinal game, which I actually covered. It was at, they played at Eastern. So it was Eastern's quarterback was Tom Flacco and throwing to Eli Apple, who was Eli Woodward at the time. And you could see this is like, you know, at, uh, Apple was committed to Ohio State, Kasiki to Penn State. This is to potentially future NFL players, which that's, was that's correct. Exactly what happened. Yeah. Other, so, but in terms of this Southern team, Obviously, you don't want to lose three in a row. They snapped that skid through three and two. 
I feel like two and three, three and two is kind of a crawl. Like you feel a lot different about the way your season is at the midway point. And now Chuck is in, you know, somewhat, you know, striking distance of, I mean, 300 wins in New Jersey is an amazing, amazing feat. And there's only a handful of guys who've ever done it. You know, Warren Wolf obviously was the first from the shore to cross that threshold. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lou Versillo's over 300, yes. right? Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Those are the only two guys in the shore. Yeah, that have ever done it, right? I the believe. only two guys have ever done it. Yeah. The crazy thing is, I have to go back on all the information right in front of me, but like Steve Antonucci's record at Middletown South is comical because he's over 200 wins now. He reached 200, I believe, two seasons ago. And he has like 50 career losses, some insane number. That's something we'll dive into deep down the line. So, hey, as long, if Nuch wants to keep coaching, you got to imagine he's going to get 300. So, um, moving on, free old Burrow with the, the cardiac win of the week, a 26 20 double overtime win over Barnegat. Uh, Matt Jafrida, uh, their quarterback, 104 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Uh, Dominic LaRosa, sophomore defensive end, had a pick six, forced two fumbles. So a big win for Freehold um, and a tough loss for Barney. The Bengals dropped to 0-5. Not quite the, the same as Howell in terms of all the losses being by just a handful of points, but Barney gets been in a bunch of games, just hasn't been able to pull it out. So on one hand, an awesome win. On the other hand, yeah, it's it's a tough one. You got to go back to the drawing board here, just trying to pick up that first win. Bright spot for Barnegat, uh, and he has been all season. Their junior linebacker, Cole Toddings, every week, their head coach. The numbers are crazy. Sends in these stats, and it's like, wow. I mean, this kid is just getting it done on both sides of the ball. Set a program record with 22 tackles. Uh, two tackles for a loss. Also, he had two touchdown catches as a tight end. So, uh, you know, a huge individual performance for Toddings, but the Colonials come out on top and uh, and get the victory. And that's two wins for Freehold now, right, after a win yes. this season last year. So. Mm-hmm. Similar, I mean, like you look how you look at how Homedale just put a one-win season like immediately in the rearview mm-hmm. mirror. It's like more like a bad dream than anything at, for them at this yeah. point. Now Freehold doing the same thing. Like we're getting back to being Freehold Borough of old. You know, we're going to be a contender. We're going to be a winning type team. So that's another good building block for them. And quietly, a team that just keeps winning, definitely below the radar, but. They have been impressive. You know, Mammoth Regional 7, Central nothing. That's another team. They'd struggled last year. They've really come back strong. Their head coach, uh, you know, has done a really good job in terms of turning this program into being consistent. You know, that's been the biggest thing for them. Uh, it's just finding ways to be consistently competitive. And not just in terms of, you know, you're not, you're not talking about making the playoffs or or anything like that on a consistent basis of a program like Monmouth where they, they don't have that traditional success, but compete for division titles. Uh, and again, just being competitive every week. And Dan Wendell and the staff have done that, you know, seven, nothing, the win over central Monmouth is tied with home for the least amount of points allowed in the entire conference. That's every game they points. play. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's, you know, they're not scoring a ton. They've also only scored 63, but look, they're only allowing 20 points all season. You're going to win more games than not. So, Caden Stafford, eight catches for 149 yards and a touchdown. And Dan kicked a, uh, every week he's like living in the backfield, five more tackles for a loss to lead the defensive effort. Mammoth four and one. So they're, you know, they have that loss to Tom's River South. So they're not, you know, up on top of that division 
um, you know, with Pylons and Tom's or South, but they're lurking right there. Like anyone yeah, slips up, they're a and factor. Back, they're right back. You know, in the like moves. Pinelands has not played them yet. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So it's yes, like correct. we were circling the Pinelands Tom's River South game right now is like that's for the division title, but Mammoth could have their say in that as far as like Pinelands is going to have to take care of them too, and scoring yeah. on them has just been a bear. You know yeah. that that like they've showed. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, didn't they they beat Barnegat seven six? Like they've won yes. two games with scoring one touchdown in the game. It is like the, the black and blue, like old like NFC North, whatever. Like you know, you want to throw out where it's just old school. Like we're always one touchdown is going to win it type of game, and a lot of teams playing really good defense in that division. Yeah, it's very very like leather helmet, like very like yes. the nineteen. That's kind of what I was going for. You know, the team that that won four games like three to nothing. You know, yeah. But Definitely. you know what? They don't put the scores next to the banner. They just you just hang the banner when you win the division yeah, or whatever. You know true. what I'm saying? Like nobody it asked matter. you what the score was. That's true. Right? Did you win? Uh, lastly, here uh, Jackson Liberty twenty eight twenty. Uh, over Lakewood, so the Lions get a, a solid win there in the Patriot Division. Joe Accardino, rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. Corzeek Palms, 50-yard pick six, and Derek Matthews opened the game with a 65-yard kick return touchdown. So the Lions pick up their second win of the season. Some other results, you know, Donovan Catholic took care of business, 35-0 win over Wall to remain undefeated. Big one coming up for the Griffins this weekend on the road, which we'll touch on soon. Colts neck uh, now, you know, even their record at two and two, 42 seven over Red Bank. Chris Scully, another big game. Don Beninato, uh, touchdown on the ground and through the air. Same thing with Ethan Matthew receiving touchdown and a rushing touchdown. Short third straight win, 26 18 over Asbury Park. Uh, again, speaking of the Liberty Division, the low scores, Pinelands 12 6 over Tom's River East. Look, just fought, like you said, just find a way. And the Wildcats moved to four and zero for the first time in a very long time. You know, we can again. It's we rely on the uh, the the good guys over at Gridiron, New Jersey, for the the breakdown of the individual games. That only goes back to two thousand three. So yeah, I like, feel like one of our fun. summer projects is gonna have to be go back in the microfilm and whatever, oh. and just write down every score like from every week going back to like the fifties or something, so that we just have a project all. to do. And then uh, also in the Liberty Division, Tom's River South. You know, that's a team we didn't we didn't know a lot about. It, and, and to be honest, we didn't think much of coming into the season. Uh, and they lost their first game 46 to home down. It's like, okay, it looks like being might be another tough year for the Indians. Now they've won three in a row. They're undefeated in division. Uh, and they just you know beat Neptune 26 to 6. So the, Matt Martin and company have done a nice job, you know, turning things around early in the season. Um, and right now he's under three and one, uh, James Alexander, their senior quarterback ran for 109 yards and a touchdown through a touchdown, Justin, uh, coasting their senior linebacker had five tackles for a loss and a sack. And they had a big special teams play too. Demir Nelson blocked uh, a punt in the second quarter that, that Matt Martin said really changed the complexion of the game. Cooper Greitz picked it up and returned it for a score. And that kind of helped send them on their way. So Tom's River South, you know, three and one right there. And the last game of the week, which as we're recording, this is actually being played. Unfortunately, we couldn't couldn't continue to wait on it. And that's Point Beach uh, and Keensburg there in that Patriot division. Uh, both teams looking for their first win of the season. So the O must go there. And uh, just make sure you check scoresportsnetwork.com. We'll have the final score and all available details on that once it goes final.
So I that know, wraps talk about up waiting. Talk four. about waiting forever to play. I know it's like well, with the rain coming in, everyone you know that was on Saturday moved their game to Friday. That that could and those schools that play on Saturday they do so because they don't have lights and whatnot. So so a few one thirty starts, one o'clock starts, a three thirty start for Marlboro Beach and Kingsburg. That that they still have that game on for Saturday going deep into Friday night. Then they made the change all the way to Monday. So, and look, it, it doesn't matter. It's still raining. So it's, I, I don't know what that field condition looks like, but a uh, mud ball up there in, uh, in, in the bird for that Patriot division matchup. So that does it for the week four games. So now let's move on to week five. Uh, all non-divisional and non-conference games this week. We take a complete break. Uh, mo- actually, I shouldn't say there are some division games on Saturday, but mostly non-division. I think these are fun because these are the games I love to some degree because you start to see the comparative strength of the divisions. Like, yes. in other words, Point Borough so far has clearly been the best team in their division. And now they're going to rumble with like a middle of the pack American division team. So mm-hmm. now it's like, how close is that? You know? Mm-hmm. Right. And I'll correct myself again. There is, it's all non-division, non-conference. There are no division games on Saturday. So yeah, some interesting matchups, uh, like you said, and also matchups we don't see. I was looking down the schedule. One of them on Saturday, number 10, Brickmore will go to Manasquan. And I'm thinking, have these teams ever played? And I asked Brickmore AD Ed Sarluca Jr. And he said, he, he thinks he's pretty sure in the early eighties, but definitely not since 1989. So you're talking about, they played, within the first seven years of brick moral being a school. So it's been a while. That's probably why they played though, because at the time when brick Memorial was just growing, it was probably only like a group two. Yeah, they were a small school. Once they became a group four school, like why are they going to be playing Manasquan? You know, it was probably a non-division game or the old, like you're a new team and you're in this class C division that doesn't exist anymore. Right. So that is a, that's an intriguing matchup just because of the unfamiliarity. But in terms of the big matchups, you know, it's number four Rumson at number six Point Borough on Friday night at Al Senior Field. I'll be there for that one. I'm really excited for it. It's can Rumson's defense slow down that triple option offense of Point Borough? That, that's that's what it comes down to. And well, that and can Point Borough show that they have improved defending the pass because that's where they got burned last season in that playoff loss to Willingboro. And now you bring in a team that can really throw it around and has one of the very best quarterbacks in the shore. And, you know, Owen O'Toole and that crew is coming off a tough game. You know, they're looking to bounce back after getting bottled up by RBC. So I think their thing is, hey, we need to get back on track, like, immediately. And the other thing is Point Borough has been playing from in front all year, right? They're Mm -hmm. always leading. They're rarely ever behind on the scoreboard. So they don't really have to throw the ball much at all because the triple just will just grind you up or they're just hitting 60-yard TDs here Mm -hmm. and there. So I am curious to see if Rumson does take the lead, you know, later in the game, you know, how will Point Borough respond? Mm-hmm. Or if Point Borough is just that good that they could just line up against a team like Rumson and still get everything they want out of that running game. Um, I mean, they've clearly shown they have the athletes, they have the playmakers. Uh, and the tough thing with Rumson, for Rumson in this spot, and they have a great coaching staff, but like they don't see the triple option playing in that division like at all none of those teams run it up at that level so that's a hard thing to get prepared for although again they do have rob warrock on their staff if they know anybody i mean they're not running the exact same thing but it's pretty close to probably when rob was there and those those 
coaches, the coaches staff at Rumson gets the benefit of that for me because they they've done it before. They've proven they can shut down these high flying offenses. So if they do it again, it will not surprise me. But it's certainly a challenge for both teams uh, going on what we just said. Rumson will get a big lift though, however, on both the offensive and defensive lines. Standout sophomore Jackson Harris, who's you know Rumson kid, played at the Hun School's freshman year, transferred back, so he had to sit the thirty days. Right. He is a monster. You're talking about a kid who's about six foot two, six foot three, 300 pounds, moves really well. That's a huge boost on both sides of the ball, especially when you're trying to win a line of scrimmage game against a team that's going to, you know, if, if Point Burrow, if everything goes right for them, they do not throw a pass all game. So when you can get a guy like Harrison, plug him in, that's a huge addition. Yeah. And I think it's funny because so many players change schools now. It's like we almost you almost have to be like, oh, it's tra- it's transfer season. Like when everybody gets eligible, like this, like how much is that going to change? You it's know, you true. have Davon Kraft getting eligible at Long Branch and mm-hmm. running for like 100 yards in their win over Raritan before this week. You have Jackson Harris back. You had Mark Augello at um, St. John Vianney, John Vianney yeah. get eligible and they go out and blow a team out of the water. So. Yeah, it's crazy how like 30 days into the season or four games into the season for a lot of teams now, it's all going to be like, well, we're a different, we're a little bit of a different team now, or we're a little bit better. And yeah, you're right. Harris putting him in there is major because if you can clog up the point of attack to where your linebacker, I mean, Rumson's linebackers are good, you know, Mm -hmm. to where they can run guys down, that will make that game really interesting. And then, yeah. It'll be interesting to, to see, you know, can Point Burrow mount a consistent pass rush against O'Toole mm-hmm. or will he have time to sit back there and throw? Yeah. And, like, what is your answer against Rigby? That's another thing where he is it's, it's such a good route runner. And you saw even against – you were there even against Emmanuel Ross where he did – Ross did a really good job on him. Like, he still was open enough to get five catches, which – And he beat it, him for a touchdown. Yeah, like, so it, it, that's, a, that's a really difficult matchup. I think that's going to be a really fun game, and I'm looking forward to it. So another good one, number nine, Colts Neck, at number five, Middletown South. You know, this is a really big game. I think a low-key big game, it doesn't – again, it's not a division game, but Colts Neck now after starting 0-2 is 2-2 is and, and playing really well. And Middletown South, you know, they they have the loss to Rumson and the loss to North. So you don't ding them for those losses because of the teams they played, but – even their wins, you know, nineteen nothing against Raritan. Uh, again, they were without, you know, Jake's Wake on that game, and Donovan Sumi got hurt early. So Colin, yeah, Gallagher, but the wall game hurt. that they barely got out alive. Yeah, wall game they could have easily lost. So again, it's Middletown South. They get the benefit for the doubt. We know a lot about them and what they are, but still, like they, there's still a little bit of like need to see it for Middletown South. At least this year's version. Um, you know, if they're all healthy, you know, all the everyone played against uh in the game against uh excuse me tom driven north so we'll see if another week they're a little bit uh, healthier and again this is a big um you want to talk about it's you know obviously it's not about the individual stuff like to the in the greater scheme of things about getting a win and playing the best for your team but from our evaluation standpoint seeing mm-hmm. a chris scully go against a middletown south defense yeah and colin, colin gallagher, gallagher. Yes. I mean, that's a great matchup right there as far as like when you start looking at postseason honors and this and that, mm-hmm. like how did these guys play when they played against the best, you know, and yeah. they played against the highest level? How did they perform? And it's just this is a huge uh, line game, you know, like will mm-hmm. Colts next line be able to impose its will? Will Middletown South's 
offensive line will be able to oppose its will. I'm interested to see too how we, he he got he got off for a couple touchdowns against Red Bank. Uh, Ethan Matthew yes. being a, an X factor for Colts neck and giving them speed on the edge. Does that help get you know a little bit more breathing room for Scully? But yeah, and not only that, it's a huge game uh, PowerPoint wise. You know, like. Mm-hmm seating wise for the playoffs for both teams so yeah absolutely that's going to be a good one uh a freehold regional uh brawl between (laughs) number eight marlboro visiting number 15 freehold township you know we talked about marlboro off to the great start playing awesome defense you know they'll go into freehold township a patriots team that's played well coming off the loss to brick moral but a team that's been able to put up points you know in in pretty much every game nick cardone's had a really good season not only throwing the ball, but he's been their leading rusher in, I want to say, two or three straight games. So he's certainly the number one guy you have to stop. They they have a lot of receivers to throw to. You know, Nick Carnival had 120 yards receiving two long touchdowns against Brick Morrill. Jalen Gill Anderson's a big body out there. John Paul Cortez, you know, has over 500 receiving yards already. So th- there's a lot of guys you have to worry about coverage-wise. Do so they have any receivers who don't have three names? <laughs> they have cornered the market in that. Uh, but Marlboro, like that's strength on strength because Marlboro secondary has played really well. Luke, uh, Luke Houston, Nick Scaff doing a good job back there as ball hawk. So that's a fun game. In uh, a game where like you're going to favor Marlboro because they're undefeated and they've been, you know they've played well. They've you know proven that so far. But that's not an easy game for the Mustangs and, and one they're going to want. It's not a division game, so it doesn't it won't hurt them in that, uh, you know, from that regard. But that that's a game that I'll be uh, interested in in following uh, in the Twitterverse or Xverse or whatever I'm calling it these days. Right. And I think, you know, there's two games that are like measuring stick games of the short mm-hmm. conference. You know, yes. like how good are our best teams, our number one team, Donovan Catholic going way on the road, like way up yeah. north. I think they just left. Yeah, like, to, to Montvale to play St. Joe's Montvale, perennial powerhouse. Um, I believe they are two in the state now. They're yes, up yeah. there, yeah. St. Joe's Montvale is two in the state. They're four and one. They uh, they just beat St. Peter's Prep 40 to 28. We know what they're all about. I mean, they mm-hmm. always have some of the top players in New Jersey. Another like sort of FBS factory up there. And Donovan, man, Dan Curcio and their coach, he's not joking when he says we want to play a tough schedule. We want to play. You're already playing the American division. And now you're going to, you're adding a team like this on the road. Yeah, um, they're not. Uh, they, he wasn't kidding. Yeah. But you know what? Because it's not only for test yourself. I mean, players come to these schools because they want to play against the other best kids. I mean, these are massive games for recruiting too, where it's like, yes. hey, the guy I'm lining up against has, you know, offers from Ohio State and Notre Dame and whatever. And if I outplay him, I'm on the map or my offers get better. Um, so I think there, there's that aspect. But Donovan's our number one team. They are undefeated. We'll see if they can go up there and give them a game. And they've, they have played uh, against – some of these top teams in uh, you know up north in the playoffs, you know, last season was it last season, you know, yeah, last Bergen season, Catholic. last couple seasons they lost to Bergen Catholic. Um, but though I think it was two years ago, the final was 35-7, but it was like a close game. They had to I think the game got suspended and like come back the next day, but they were in a dog fight with that for a little bit. So they're not they're certainly not shying away from the uh the challenge. 
which is you love to see that. And, you know, it's a huge undertaking, especially going on the road. But they said it's a measuring stick game. Doesn't hurt them in any anyway. Can you imagine if they find a way to win that game? Like uh, now, that now you have wins over Tom's River North and yeah. St. Joe's Montvale on your yeah. resume. Now you look at Donovan in a completely different light of like now you are a legit like state title contender in non-public A. So not to get way ahead of ourselves, but that's the that, that's you know what's yeah, on my the question with that is do you have enough offense to yeah. stay in that game? I mean they. They, but they have shown they shut down Tom's River North, one of the best offenses in the state, to win a low-scoring game. Mm-hmm. But we thought that would be a tall order for that. Yeah, I think it would be an even bigger one for, to, to think you're going to hold St. Joe's Mo, uh, Montvale to like mm-hmm. seven points or ten points. Anything is possible, but I that to me is a lower percentage of even them doing that to Tom's mm-hmm. River North. So I think they're going to have to get to like 28-30 if they want to have a chance to win that game. Be interesting to follow that one, and then also our, our number two team, Red Bank Catholic. You know, we touched on that before. We'll be at Seton Hall Prep. It's a Pirates team that you can't really look at the record because you have to take in, you know, the caliber of opponents they have played. It's also a Seton Hall Prep team that shut out RBC last season at Camp AC Field, I believe, seventeen yes. nothing. So RBC, I'm sure had that one, uh, you know, circled uh, on the calendar when the schedule came out. And the Casey's coming off a really good win and. You look back at that week zero loss to Bergen Catholic 24-6, and it it's not that it's – you don't want to say a loss is good, and Mike Lang even said that, like no more victories here, but you know, Bergen Catholic's been bludgeoning everybody in sight. Yeah, they just waxed Don Bosco. Yeah, exactly. So 38-15, so it almost makes RBC look better of like you were mm-hmm. – in the second half, you were kind of like in the game with them. Yeah, and again, it comes down to RBC's offense. I mean, the running game has really gotten going lately. You know, Luke Wasef – has found a groove and he's been their, their lead back so far. If they can get that going consistently with Emmanuel Ross and what he brings on the outside and the talents of Frankie Williams and the way that defense has been playing, they've been lights out in every game. Like That hasn't been an issue at all. We talked about it in the preseason. We knew that was going to be stout and it's been every bit that. So uh, if RBC can go get that road win, that's big for them. Yeah, and honestly, they're the heavy favorite. You know, Seton Hall Prep is not ranked in the state or no, anything like that. True. So, you know, for RBC, it's like you got to go. You're expected, essentially, by the outside world here to go in there and get it done against a team that's really battle-tested and, like you said, that that blanked you last year. So we'll see if they can go up there and handle their business because, you know, you know how the North Jersey non-publics love to be. Like, ah, like these guys down here, they can't really play with us. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to go up there and have that happen again. Like, you know, you want to go up there and and take care of it and show like, no, the, we're ranked where we're ranked in the state, like for a reason. A few more games uh, to touch on for week five. Pinelands at Matawan. Pinelands undefeated. Matawan coming off the first win. Huskies are a dangerous team. This was a game that was decided on a stop at the goal line last season where Pinelands almost came out with the victory playing at Matawan. So th- that could be a fun one. Uh, Jackson Moore at Brick, you know, Brick coming off its first loss, but that's a traditional A South black and boo rivalry. So, uh, Jackson hasn't been scoring a ton of points either. Like they have their, the statistics have been really good, uh, you know, in, in the run game and they've certainly done plenty to be four and oh, but it's a brick team at playing really good defense all year. I wouldn't be surprised to see another low scoring game. Yeah. I about to say that game's got like 14 to seven written all over it. <laughs> old school. Uh, Brickmore, Manasquan, you know, we talked about the Mustangs looking to move to 6-0. Manasquan 
having trouble scoring, which is not really what you want when you're going up against a team that's right. averaging 39 points a game. But they've been they've played pretty good defense. The thing against Brick Moore is you probably have to turn the ball over. You're not just gonna stop Deets cold. Like even in the game where Middletown North, you know, at the end of that game, like Miley did a pretty good job. He looked up and he was, you know, right around 170 yards rushing. So tough order for Manasquan, but they are playing pretty good defense. So they, they have a shot if they can, you know, rise up and force some turnovers and do the typical things you see Manasquan do, hit a wild like wheel route touchdown and special teams play. Um, and again, the intrigue that, you know, comes from that game because those teams like never play each other. So there's that. And then my last, last one, Manchester at Shore. Uh, the Hawks coming off their first loss of the season. Meanwhile, Shore's won three in a row. Head coach Tommy Farrell was an assistant under Mark Costantino at Shore. So you've got that uh, uh, little nugget in there. So an, an interesting non-divisional game. Um, and the test for Manchester also, like you go out of that Patriot division, Let's see how you stack up. And it's interesting to me, just comparatively, like we mentioned earlier, right, that there, there's always the possibility, at least, that Keyport and Shore could meet in the state playoffs. And now mm-hmm. you're going to have a common opponent between Very the two true. Of those teams. So we'll see how Shore does against a team that Keyport just held off in a shootout. That, and now for the best segment oh, of the week. I don't, I don't want to talk about the Jets. Like, it's it's too Oh, there's nothing to much. say about that. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. I don't want to talk about Notre Dame either. That was was a tough, I don't know what was worse. The Jets at least is like the expectation of like, this is probably not going to go well. It's probably not going to go well. Right. The worst thing that happened was like getting the ball back multiple times at the end of the game. Like, don't make me believe. Yeah. We all know how this is going to end. Just, just to make it more excruciating and then take a safety and then, uh, but, but whatever, you're right. As long as Zach Wilson is starting, there is no hope period. So like, yeah, Th- that part of it, I I wasn't even upset it's because tough. it was like you just knew what was going to happen. But I was still glowing from you know the late night Saturday, Pac twelve after dark. How about Big Ten after dark? It That's was illegal. Uh, <laughs> we were down. Northwestern was down thirty one to ten. It looked like all right, another slog and a disastrous season with this scandal and a whole new coaching staff and all this stuff, and then. Boom, we come alive. Ben Bryant, 396 yards passing and four TDs. Bryce Kurtz, our receiver, 10 catches for 215 and two touchdowns. That'll get it done. Against Minnesota. You know, who's like a decent, like, Big Ten team. You know, it wasn't like they're not like a total bottom feeder. But, yeah, we were texting throughout the Notre Dame game. I really thought you guys had it. And then, oh, my God, that's excruciating way to lose. Losing on a rushing touchdown the last play of the game stinks no matter what. But then when it's like, oh, no, Notre Dame only had 10 guys in the field, that's the, like, oh, come on, <laughs> really? So it, it definitely a bummer. I'll be able to move on a little quicker from that just because I know the Irish should be contenders all season. And now – the tougher part of that is like I now kind of have to root for Ohio State the rest of the year, which I don't really want to do. Not a big fan of the Buckeyes, but let's go run, run the table, Ohio State. You're gonna have the you're gonna have the what was like the jersey that like AJ Hawk's sister or whatever <laughs> wore all those years ago <laughs> with the great. half Notre Dame that half is Ohio great. State jersey. Because AJ Hawk's sister married to Brady Quinn. Yes, it's extremely random, but yeah, I'm gonna need one of those half jerseys to wear. Every Saturday. So we'll see if the Irish can like if they take care of business and run the table, which would include a win over USC, 
and a win this weekend over Duke, which is a wild thing to say, but Duke is ranked. College yeah. game day will be in, you know, in at Their Duke. College game day is like two months early for when they're normally in uh, Durham, North Carolina. For wrong the, sport. Yeah, for the for the basketball, but um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's crazy that they they smoked us earlier in the year. Um, we got beat pretty, but I mean, they beat Clemson. They're pretty good. So yeah, we'll see how that you right that that seemed at the beginning like ah, we'll be fine in that game, but I don't know. And as two people who love to uh, you know, talk about like insane stats and things like that, we will one time we'll go through like Derrick Henry's like career high school rushing statistics way. and Derek, will greer's passing statistics yeah the, the, the quick synopsis is funny like the short conference's all-time leading rusher is ken katus from keyport i, I want to say it's like six thousand six seven six something like that derrick henry has is like twelve thousand like 100 or something completely bonkers at like yuli high school in florida which i believe is like right around the jacksonville area like north florida just Numbers that don't even make sense, like averaging like 330 rushing yards a game as a freshman and doing that for four years. In Florida. Yes. Like, this is not like, you know, Wyoming or something <laughs> where like nobody would be able to handle the guy. Like you're talking one of the most fertile recruiting areas in the country. And then the Will Greer passing statistics, right? In high school. All right. Was it Will Greer or I feel like there was another quarterback. We were going through this. We got to dig this up. But there was some numbers where like, wait. He threw for like seven thousand yards, like in one season. Yeah, how it's is, ridiculous. How is well, that you're right. Real? So, this is all leading up to the fact that it was a stat all time bonanza when the Dolphins just yes. absolutely detonated Denver for seventy points. You hate to see Sean Payton have to eat his yeah, words. Just a real shame. <laughs> seventy points, which is incredible. But my favorite stat is the seven hundred and twenty-six yards of offense. Like, excuse me, how many, sir? The first team, I think, in NFL history have five passing touchdowns and five rushing touchdowns. The only one part of that for me that was tough was the end of the game. They're like, look, it's Mike White throwing a touchdown uh, to like Robbie Anderson, who's now goes by Robbie Chosen. Oh, it's his name. I'll call him that. But, yeah, I was like, oh, my God. Even the Jets, like, cast-offs. And now that, like, I'd kill for Mike White right now. Oh, I'd give God. anything to have Mike White on the roster. And I, I think the only downside to it was that it's the Dolphins, and I hate the Dolphins. I mean, your brother had a great day. He's a huge Dolphins fan. He did, but, hey, we're not going to talk about that. (laughs) But, no, that was – and then you had – I was actually off from today's show for a planned day off today, and I was almost thankful because the minute Taylor Swift showed up at the Chiefs game – Oh man! Cheering for Travis Kelsey. I'm like, there tomorrow is going to be – there's going to be 18 stories on this. It's it's too much. And it's the funny thing much. is everybody's hoping she comes to MetLife this week. Like all the TV people, because they're like, no one's going to watch this game of them just tattooing the Jets. by like, That's true. Points. So like we need Taylor to show up in like one of the boxes so we can just keep cutting to that to keep people's attention when it's like 35 nothing in the second quarter. They were and, and the Chiefs detonated the poor Bears who are I, I don't know. I, I feel like. It's worse to be a Bears fan now. Oh, yeah. Because they just have, like, no, like, not only is Justin Fields really struggling, but, like, the roster just looks really poor, and it's not going well. But in, like, our group chat for our fantasy football league, uh, one, one of the guys said, like, the Chiefs are going to call Taylor Swift down from, like, the suite and just let her throw a TD pass, <laughs> like, just because. And it's like, right. yeah, 
That's that's no, so, they're so dysfunctional and they screwed up so bad by putting their faith in fields and trading down out of that number one spot where they could have gotten another quarterback and just cut. Look base. how good CJ Stroud has looked. Yeah, exactly. Really good. Yeah. So, I mean, like it looks like they really bungled that whole thing. It's, it's well, very, uh, we know what, what it's all about, about not hitting on quarterbacks in like yeah, the top 10, exactly. the top five, forget the top 10. <laughs> top three. I'd kill for Mark Sanchez right now. Think about that quote. I know. I was like, I joke about, you know, we joke about him. He, they made it to the AFC title game twice. twice. This guy, yeah. this, this uh, guy, he can't even get a first. He gets a first down and people are like high-fiving each other like they just won the Super Bowl. It's tough. It's tough. Chad Pennington would be incredible right about now. Oh, they'd be dominant. That just be a 14-win team with Chad Pennington. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, Enough of the commiserating because it, it will only lead down a path of sadness yes. for Stumpy and I. So that'll do it for us this week. Uh, a, a really interesting slate of week five games with all the non-divisional matchups. There's not going to be any division implications, but some big playoff implications. Uh, and again, what you said before, a lot of learning about the strength of divisions based on, you know, going up and playing some teams from other divisions. So uh you know, you'll see all that and more later in the week uh, on the Shore Sports Network, uh, you know, football scoreboard you know, presented by the Jeep Store. Uh, and as always, head to ShoreSportsNetwork.com for, you know, all our football coverage from Players of the Week, the Shore 16, our Team of the Week, Stumpy's uh, Shore Football Report column where he goes around the, uh, the Shore and, and kind of touches on, on a bunch of different subjects, our Picks of the Week, all that stuff. And even fans of other sports, you know, we have – Tremendous boys and girls soccer coverage by Matt Manley and, and Nick Lowe. And, you know, as we move forward into our seasons, um, you know, the same coverage that you've been used to over the years. So, again, we just want to thank everyone for for tuning in. It's been an interesting transition for us, you know, with the new ownership of the company going back to last spring and, uh, you know, doing these podcasts. It's been something we want, I want to do for a while. So, it's been great to have Scott on with me and uh, every week breaking this down. So, uh with that, we'll uh, we'll say goodbye, and we'll see everyone next week. Thanks again for listening to the Shore Sports Network football podcast. See you.